Hello and welcome to the bonfire. Today's episode is a continuation of the previous episode. So part two of a conversation with TJ and Peter about coronavirus. I strongly suggest that you obviously listen to the first part first, but if not, um, uh, you should be able to follow along here. So I hope you enjoy. Thanks. All right, guys, uh, joining our podcast is Mr. Glassman himself. We are talking about COVID right now. Hello. Hello. So happy to be here. So what we were just talking about were, what should we cover? We were talking about TJ's perceptive perspective on COVID situation and how we should have dealt with it differently. Yes. So I basically just covered how, well, I talked about my experience with COVID, um, how I question a lot of things that we've done and um, with all the COVID and I just want to go back over and say, I, I don't deny the fact that this is a very deadly virus to the older population and people of, uh, who are uh, more obese. That is a, is a very problematic thing towards those people. I also think that the way we're dealing with it is having more of a negative impact than the actual virus itself. And if we were to successfully be able to quarantine people who are at risk of COVID, and get everything else back running, then I think that'd be great. I'm not here saying that I think COVID is like a hoax or something. I'm just saying that the way we've dealt with it has been awful. Can I ask a question? Sure. Am I, am I stepping on your toes here, Oliver? Of course not. No. Okay. So thank you for including me. Of course. Um, Hi, by the way, here? Paris is also <laughs> in the room right now. So this is the whole CL, CL squad right now. <laughs> <laughs> So TJ, I'm really interested in this point you're making about a lack of faith in the in the data, and in the the numbers. I just covered that, but we could go over that. I'm interested in what has undermined your faith in the public institutions that have, for so many generations, been this like bastion of truth, like Mm. the Center for Disease Control. Yeah. Right? Is there something that happened to you in your life that has led you to kind of question those institutions and the reports that they put out and the data that they share? Um, no. What I said, what I said, um, like I said before, is like how we all were. I was quarantining in my house. I began going out, um, waiting for the numbers to go down, and I began going out. I've was, can I just, sorry, can I just verify because they've heard this before. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was talking about his yeah. personal experiences and how they don't match up with the perception that's been fed to us, which is that this is a deadly pandemic and everyone is dying on the street yeah. type thing. Okay, so when I, so exactly. So, and also, so that kind of made me like raise a little bit of question. Um, I do, my, two people who are like aunts to me, like my best friend's mother's, um, they work in the hospital, and they're like with the doctor, like during like during surgery and everything. And they've said that that the government will give them more money for saying that someone died during a COVID-related death. So they said even the doctors and the people there will claim that people died from COVID when they actually did in reality because they're them as a hospital need more money, and that's what they have to do. So when I hear those numbers, and I think, well, I don't even know per- anyone who's personally died from it. I don't. I haven't heard of any, I haven't even heard someone who's gotten like that sickly. And then I hear things like that. I'm not saying like disregard those numbers. Those numbers are c- complete BS. 
I'm just saying it makes me raise question to how to what the numbers actually are. My interest is why are you raising a question? Because that doesn't even occur to me. I see I see uh what is it, like three hundred thousand people died of COVID. I'm like, yep, three hundred I mean, maybe it's off by like a, a hundred or something like that, but that's besides the point. Well if the two people I know that work in hospitals or the oh, two different hospitals are both saying that, then I'm assuming then that's probably happening at the majority of hospitals. Yeah. Right? What are you? I mean, no, because I have no clue who these people are. Well, I'm saying if this was two people who you've grown up with and, and know very well. I mean, I mean, I don't know how to answer that question. Can, because, I, yeah, can I interrupt with a stat here? Well, I know this was like a very trendy stat. I don't know like all the uh, context to it, but I remember they CDC reported a stat that said like, this is, I think, what has led to distrust in the death stat. They said 6% um, of like the death sheets of people are solely from COVID, like the only cause of death on that uh, is yeah, COVID. So there are like other contributing factors. That doesn't mean, you know, someone like yeah. probably like was I mean, going to live and then they got COVID and then it. And yeah, then exactly. Died. Like or, I'm not saying that, that like, like that's mm-hmm. still terrible that that happened. And or that, if they died with COVID to other reasons. Yeah. As well. Like, but I know that's, that stat alone like contributed to a lot of, um, you know, the distrust and the, the statistics and the institution. I mean, yeah, I feel like this is a good topic, like distrust, because I know, like, there's so many, I feel like there's a big conspiracy theory type movement that's going around. Yeah. Which I understand. <laughs> I think, yes. I'm fairly confident. And I feel like that sort of originates in this, this desire to sort of tell stories with the, like, like, when you're talking, you're telling a lot of stories, and you're telling a lot of visions. Like, originally there was this vision, COVID equals people dying on the street, and I don't know if I'm wrong, but you didn't see that, so you think COVID is not as severe, right? It was more just that, I, from what I was hearing on the TV, how much they were expressing how important this is with this virus that the first time I thought I had it, I was like, oh my gosh, we all dodged a bullet. I can't believe only two people out of all the people we were with that week only had COVID. We were so lucky. Mm-hmm. Then it happened again. Like, oh my gosh, dodged a bullet. They're so lucky they don't have any symptoms at all. Like, it just kept going. I was like, wait, is it really as bad as they're I don't understand how that leads to they might be lying to us. Have you guys heard of this philosophical theory called Occam's Razor? No. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a theory that... The simplest of competing theories and explanations for world events is usually the right one, right? Just, just in general, mm-hmm. right? And this is often represented as a um, counterpoint to conspiracy theories, right? So like the way it would apply in this particular case is, what is the simpler of the explanations? Is it that Hospitals and doctors are fudging statistics and numbers to make up for the funding gap that they face, and therefore there is a vast over-reporting on the number of deaths as a result of COVID. Or is it that there's a global pandemic and millions of people are dying, and it's not just here in the U.S. that those numbers are being reported, but globally, right? I just think it's so interesting that we've moved. I agree with you entirely, Oliver, that like 
we live in this age when conspiracy theories have become kind of the, the drumbeat of our political discourse, right? And whether it's what's, uh, listen, TJ, whatever, you know, you've got your opinion, you have personal experience with your aunts, mm -hmm. but whether it's this, this conspiracy theory about deaths from COVID or, or QAnon or whatever else. But yeah, election fraud, yeah. Election fraud's yeah. another good one. You know, what is the simpler explanation? Yeah. Someone lost the election or that there is a vast left-wing conspiracy across every state to fudge yeah. the statistics and hack voting machines. And I think I think it's very dangerous because it leads to distrust and it like changes the argument away from like actual policies and like I feel like it changes yeah, like just the distrust and whatnot is very dangerous. I'm sort of talking in circles here. And I know this is bad because I'm the, her, the, uh, the host of this podcast. But my point is that, like, this distrust is, like, dangerous. Yeah. It, probably couldn't have <laughs> it probably couldn't have happened in a different... Well, it, it happens if you look over time, stuff happens like this, right? Like, it, yeah. stuff is, history is cyclical, humans are cyclical, we forget stuff, we do it again, and then we remember why we shouldn't do it. That's normal. Um, it probably is exacerbated this time because of technology and access, and then we can hear from so many different people um, news and facts and information, and it's like a big game of telephone too, because there's so much happening. And now it's you have the choice to not believe something, versus yeah. before, yeah. if you only heard stuff from your school, from your neighbors, um, and from the one news source that everyone has access to, there's not as much information to sift through. So you didn't have the, the option to have your own opinion. I feel like it works for all 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 political, but all spectrums of the political, because my mom is very liberal. She doesn't believe anything that the conservatives say, mm -hmm. nothing at all. And I'm like, she's like, I, I'll say like something happened. She's like, well, did it happen or whatever? Yeah. Like, are they lying to us? And I'm like, how do you respond to that? <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's, I often have to reflect on my own faith in government because I, I have a lot of faith in government institutions, right? I believe in science, I believe the CDC, I believe all the statistics that come out, I take COVID really seriously, as TJ knows from me admonishing him about his mask, <laughs> right? My friend Christy is my age, she almost died from COVID, my best friend's dad died from COVID, my dad had COVID, he is still like destroyed six months later. Fortunately, he never had to go to the hospital, but he is like a shell of himself. Mm. But on the other hand, our government has done dirty, dastardly deeds mm. over the history of America. Yeah. MK Ultra, right? Where people, prisoners were dosed with LSD to try to mind control them, which sounds insane, but actually happened. Yeah. The Reagan administration sold drugs in South Central Los Angeles and took the money from that to fund a revolution in Nicaragua. Right? The U.S. Yeah. government was dealing drugs to the most you know, embattled communities in our country. And countless others, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that the things that on the surface seem crazy are real. And it, is, it is complicated. And terrible things happen and we don't believe them and... And that's also a big issue. 
with so much information, it it I get overwhelmed with information mm -hmm. and and politics. I'm I get overwhelmed with, so I avoid it, which is not the answer, but it's how I have to handle my anxiety with it. Is that there's too much coming in, so I shut down, which is something that I have to work yeah. through as a participating American. Is I have to vote, I have to do these things, so I have to like work through it. But with so much information, it makes sense that you'd be like, well, what is happening in my environment, and you only see what you like have to look back at home. So it makes sense that there's distrust in it. Like um, if TJ hasn't met anyone with serious stuff, he has to see like, it's too much information, he has to believe something. I have, Mr. Glassman had uh, this stuff happen in his life, so he's gonna believe that it happened, but there's, the world's so connected and so big that you, you know, it's, it's not what's happening. You have to look at both sides. So it's confusing, so that would make sense that there's these kind of issues and trust issues that haven't happened in the same way before. There's just too much, so much information. Yeah. I, I really I was, like the point about like the excess amount of information. Yeah. Because for me too, like I see all these articles and stuff and I literally, I shut down. Yeah. And I feel like I'm like not politically active enough or whatever. I'm not informed enough because I see these articles and I'm just... Yeah, one, one guy I follow who's... Um, I don't know if you've heard of Naval Rothman. He's like a, he's, I think he started Angel Investor. But he said, like, mm -hmm. the goal of the media is to, I, I don't know if this was him, it might have been who said, like, the goal of the media is to make, like, every problem your problem. And they want you to, like, read every article and read about, like, mm -hmm. terrible things and then get invested and keep reading. And, and, like, I mean, you should definitely be, you should definitely, like you said, you definitely, you, you have a, a duty as an American to, like, be educated about these topics but some of these things they don't necessarily require our attention and they might just be creating like unnecessary division I, I feel like there's so much division nowadays and the hard thing is figuring out you said some of these things don't require our attention that's the hard part because it's like well dang how do i know what is my what needs my attention there's right. too much so you have to sort and choose and then that is it, probably a difference with media too right now is that it's um that's part of the goal right is to like inform people about stuff but also to make sure you know they're competing in an open market yeah that's hard too so they're competing for attention um there's yeah so how do you sort through what's important mm -hmm. to you and what you think is real do you guys know, know what media literacy is have you heard this in your classes i'm assuming i think i know what it is so the idea behind it is just that we need to be conscious consumers of anything in the media and there are five questions you're supposed to ask with any news source you read, any video you watch. It's who created the message? Where? What techniques are being used to attract your attention and keep you reading? How might people understand this message differently if they're different from, from your background? What lifestyles, values, and points of view are being represented in the message? And then most importantly, why was the message sent? Like, what is the motivation? So yeah. I think it's important to be a conscious consumer of media, but then at a certain point, it's like, do you mistrust everything? Yeah. Then yeah. you can't function, and that's the scary part. Wait, can I say something? Because I feel like this is this conversation of people picking up conspiracy theories and everything is coming from me. Okay, I am aware of that. I want to say that I didn't come up with this idea of like, oh, like COVID's BS. All I'm saying is I think that we're completely over exaggerating about how bad COVID is. I know it is very dangerous to people who are elderly and people at risk. And I think what's most important is protecting them. I don't know why I don't know why I don't have to see Peter. If, I don't know why I'm not allowed to see Peter unmasked next to each, next to him 
as long as both of us don't go near someone who's at risk, which we shouldn't be doing in the first place. I don't know why we have to shut down businesses if Peter's running a business and Peter needs money and I want to buy a sandwich, great for the economy. I can't go in there and buy a sandwich with Peter, but I'm also not allowed to go see someone who's elderly and at risk. Why don't I just stop myself from seeing them when I could go see Peter? Because I think it's a chain of transmission. That's the whole point of this disease. I know, and I think... And, and I think what we need to be doing is emphasizing protecting these people who are who are older and at risk. Didn't they try that somewhere? Like they they locked up all the elderly. I don't think Maybe we need to do like that. I don't think we do that. Or something. But they locked we, all the elderly up in like the hospitals, and then everyone else was just allowed to go free, and then everyone was just dying on the street. Yeah, so I my during this that. time, um, the past couple months, both of my grandparents, two of my grandparents, passed away not from COVID. But one of my grandparents, um, he had really bad Alzheimer's, and he was in um, an uh, elderly folks' home. And it was, I, he was on the other side of the country, but my uh, parents and family went to go visit him, and they said it was so hard because um, they had to, like, literally see each other through a fence. And the place he was in was with people with Alzheimer's, so they were already confused with their surroundings, confused with, like, what COVID was and what was happening mm-hmm. and why they couldn't see someone. So it's it's really interesting the emotional factors too. Like my it was my poor grandpa, he was like, if you guys would have the heart to take me home, and you know he thought it was an emotional thing that he did something wrong. Yeah. And so that's really yeah. tough too. Is like Jeez. the human factor of it. Yeah. It's like we're you know like it's yes physical stuff, but um, and, and my grandparents grandparents didn't pass away from COVID. It was other stuff. Uh, it just sucks that this happened at the same time. Yeah. Um, and and they couldn't see him um, at the outside fence uh, in in certain ways because he was like really confused about it. So it is really tough. Mm. Um, yeah. The human side and we this, are so connected and it's like it makes it complicated. Yeah, I would say that's thing. a little yeah, bit extreme to to take. I, I, to take like people who are at risk and just throw them into a home. I think that what I think it would be better just to keep everyone extremely educated and cautious about. Like I would, I have, didn't see my grandparents for a year. They didn't go out and do anything for a year. We used to have Christmas and Easter at their house. Couldn't do it this year. I would FaceTime them. I'd drive to their house and I'd sit outside. And that's what I did. That was my duty to protect my grandparents because they are at risk of COVID. They're both 80 years old and I couldn't see them. I think that's what we need to be doing. I, if I'm not going to go see my grandparents who are 80 years old, who could get sick from COVID, I don't know why that would stop me from seeing Peter, who but neither of us would be fine from if we got COVID. Yeah, it makes it complicated too, because then if it's someone who they are the caretaker for their grandparents, like my um, grandparents, my aunt and uncle, they were living at their house because my mm-hmm. grandparents couldn't be um, living alone anymore, mm-hmm. but they weren't yet to the point where my family could support getting them in a home is yeah. like a weird in between um but that changes like ugh, the family can't go see people and then like but at the same time my family they're towards like what you're talking about of like they don't think covid's that big of a deal that i had to go home and i was they made fun of me for wearing a mask when i was home. And I just <laughs> got off an airplane and that it sounds silly but i'm such an emotional person and it, it like made me so anxious yeah it made me get my feelings hurt so much yeah. so i'm trying to protect you guys i yeah. just got off an airplane yeah. and they're making fun of me for wearing yeah. masks i think i think what's mm-hmm. really interesting is how we've reacted to the pandemic especially when it comes to masks yeah. because like i know i know like for a point in time i saw people in movies without masks on and, and i you shuddered were- you get anxiety, right? Yeah. Like, whoa, but stay away from me. You don't have a mask. Think about then the kids, the little kids that have to grow up with that. 
yeah. and how that's going to impact. Um, they're calling, I just heard that um, instead of generate, you know, uh, it's generation millennials and then generation Z, the new one, somebody had said someone's, you know, coining generation C for COVID. Uh, yeah. So all the little ones are growing up. And um, I saw a kid on the plane the same time that I told you guys I was going back, um, is the beginning of COVID. Um, it was so sad. He was probably about seven years old, sweet little thing. He walked down the hall or down the aisle on the airplane and all he wasn't wearing masks and all of a sudden I just saw him and he started shaking and he reached into his pocket and pulled out his mask and was like just so afraid. And I was like, poor little thing. Yeah. He probably is a normal kid yeah. with normal anxieties. Think about the kids, like I'm kind of um, a little bit towards like anxiety about cleanliness and that kind of stuff. Um. People with legit O C D stuff as kids. Like, it might actually be yeah. okay for them, but, like, what's going to be the repercussions of that? So, and as teachers, we have that happen with the little kids, like our sixth graders. Um, with the Lego class, for example, um, I, some kids don't wear their mask properly, and they, I try my hardest to tell them, you're not in trouble, but please put up your mask. It's for your safety. I care about you, and I want everyone to be healthy. But also, um, kids, like, kind of drape on each other, you know, and it's really sweet developmentally. That's good. That they're not afraid to touch each other, not afraid to be near yeah. each other. Yeah. But during COVID, it's like, what's gonna, that's a whole different conversation. What are the impacts 10 years from now? And think about, have you felt about how hard it's for someone like Peter with such a beautiful face that he's had the whole thing coming up? <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. It's not the same looking at You gotta get one of those clear ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how are people's developmentally changing, like, of how they interact? I, uh, I, think, I wrote an article about that for uh, my journalism class about how the repercussions, uh, I just focused on school, but, like, how ages, like, I think it was 10 to, t 10 to 12 is, like, a really crucial part in your life to, to learn about social skills and everything. That's when your brain functions at its peak for that. And those kids aren't even going to be able to work on those social skills. So, I mean, we don't, we don't see the repercussions right now, but, um, like, we could see them in a couple of years. Well, to, to, take, to take it back to just for a second to what Oliver was saying earlier, like, I think we're coming out of COVID, and I think, you know, by the time summer's over, we'll reach a point where enough people are vaccinated that things are kind of starting to look like normal. But I'm way more interested in this undermining of faith in our institutions, right? Which was happening before COVID happened, yeah. right? Like, the mere fact that we live in a society now where I bet a lot of people feel like, well, whatever, you know, what the federal government says, what the CDC says, what scientific journals say, I mean, this relates to climate change as much as it does to COVID. I don't trust that, right? Because I think they're lying to me for whatever reason. And how can we heal that lack of faith? Because if that lack of faith continues, everyone is going to be in the same boat TJ is, which is, I need to see it. Like, like, if I don't see it, if it's not part of my life experience, it's hard for me to believe it's happening. And that gives us all, and I'm not saying you're wrong, dude. Like, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear your opinion. I love engaging with you uh -huh. on this. But inevitably, it makes us all super myopic, right? Because if all we can have faith in is the experience that we're having individually in our day-to-day -day lives, how can we develop empathy and understanding for others? Mm -hmm. How can we think broadly about the experience of other Americans? Mm -hmm. If we think that everything we're reading and watching and hearing is... Questionable. Exactly. Well, we exactly. even see stuff where um, there's, with racial discrepancies too, of um, if a racial injustices, there's videos of how 
um, white men are treated versus black men are treated by the police. And there's evidence and videos, and some people are like, well, I don't see a difference, or, you know, I haven't seen anything mm -hmm. happen in my life. Um, that's, that's wild. Or, or if you're in an area where there just happens to be a lot, lot of white people and you don't interact with any black people or people who are in, in underserved communities elsewhere, like, if you just don't see what you don't see, mm -hmm. but you still see videos online, like, we are so connected. We have access to everything. Yeah. That's... So how do you, yeah, where do you go from that? I have a perfect, I have a perfect example of that. Um, it was just, I think it was yesterday, I was on my phone and there was another... Wasn't there an, another uh, black person? Um, I don't know where it was, but it was another black person who was killed by the police. And I was like reading, I was like, wow, it's horrible. And then I keep scrolling down on my, on my feed and then I, then I see a video of, um, of someone explaining how not at all was, was that had anything to do with race and how that girl was actually about to kill somebody and how the cop had to kill her and um, they're, the people are only po are posting stuff like this because they have an agenda that they're trying to get across. And it's just crazy because I see one thing and then two seconds later I see the other thing and then you're just like, I don't know what's going on. Like you question. Well, I think this is, this one was definitely, just this specific case is definitely uh, more black and white, but um, in the terms of, like it's not, uh, no, it's less black and white. It's not like, this wasn't like in the same boat as this one, yeah. George Floyd. Obviously, like, I, I don't know if we want to get into specifics this, but... Um, I get into it. Go ahead. I don't know, like, I the, the police is, like, called. I think there was, like, a fight. There's a fight happening. She had a knife. The police is going in that situation is to de-escalate that. He apparently had his gun up and was saying, like, get down, get down. She was, was not getting down. She had the knife. And she was going to And then he shot somewhere. her. Is that yeah. what happened? Um, and, yeah, well, the tricky thing was with, with, when with race comes into the play... Exactly. Uh, you just yeah. let me just finish this thought. You you don't know like um, how big of an impact was that because like I don't know like you can't assume that this this cop is racist because he's shocker like because the the victim of this situation was black too so I don't know it's well, a tricky it's thing. Also, a giant conversation if you're like um, if our, our who's called more by the police in what kind of situations are there more police in different areas yeah. are there biases on the global and system scale versus in the tiny instance. And it's like, it's so complicated. I think at some point too, it's like, try to diversify who you hear from and um, get more people in your life that don't look like you and aren't like you. Yeah. And then you'll, you'll kind of understand, hopefully you'll, you'll get more perspectives on a day to day. That's like, you know, one thing and, and little things like social media, they say, I've heard some stuff where it's like, follow different hashtags that you don't normally follow follow accounts that are talking about like um, the anti-asian um, racism issues like follow some anti-asian hate yeah. or um, I think that's the right I might have to check it on that but like those kind of issues um, you know for, for protecting a your Asian friends and that yeah. kind of stuff like I am so sad because I feel like we're getting into a very interesting topic but I have a tennis match in 15 minutes so I'm gonna end this uh, probably like an hour long episode I don't know how I'll spend that Right here. Thank you guys for... I'll just do an outro later. All right. Thank you guys for joining me so much. Yes. Congratulations. You made it to the end. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are probably my favorite person in the world. Um, I did not think you'd make it this far. Uh, please be sure to let me know what you thought of this. Um, if you have any 
uh, thoughts on my podcast and um, any suggestions or you want to be on the podcast yourself uh, or you can also donate to the podcast. Uh, I don't know why you do that, but you can. And uh, yeah, so just thank you for listening and uh, I hope to see you again.